Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Carl Chapman, good morning. Morning, Cam. How are you? Yes, good afternoon indeed. Um, I am most well champing at the bit, looking forward to having a chat to you folks out there on a day where we have to say it seems like the seasons have turned. Agreed? Agreed. Yesterday afternoon was a bit of a, bit of a gale. Sure was, and you were enduring a barbecue, you told me. Neighbours barbecue, Neighbours yes. barbecue, how Nothing good like, is this? Uh, wind, rain and <laughs> hail. Sleet, <laughs> sideways rain. Well, we're, we're a tough mob here. Seasons are turning. The leaves are, the leaves are turning brown and, and I really felt it um, yesterday. I had an absolutely sensational day. I was... Uh, had been invited to join about a thousand people at the Royal Exhibition Buildings. You said you drove or rode past it. Yeah, they were setting up. Uh, I could see all the trucks uh, bumping in. A lot of Harry the Hirer. Mm-hmm. Harry the Hirer would have been happy with uh, with that job, but uh, it was uh, just an incredible thing to have three huge, long, long tables at the Royal Exhibition Buildings. If you want to see a shot of it, I just posted something uh, on the gram, something. I posted a picture of that on Instagram, Cam Smith Eater, if you want to check that out. And it was absolutely awesome. Uh, really, really was. Great, great thing. But you know what? One of the things I noticed about it was uh, the fact that it was it was kind of sticky in the morning, wasn't it? Oh, the morning was, yeah, it was such a, a day of two halves, really. Yeah, it, it certainly was. Like, it was so the humidity was up and uh, I'd packed a, a jacket in my bag because, you know, being a good Melbourneian, you know that the, the weather's going to change. But we had the southern door was open um, sort of underneath the, the dome and the change came through and this beautiful breeze mm. blew through this nice, unbelievable building. And uh, I left the brunch and I went home and it just started raining and and it's weird and this is the thing, this is why I do this show and it's why um, I've been talking about this sort of stuff for so many years now. I took a frying pan out and I chopped an onion <laughs> and I put some olive oil in the pan and I started to stir and I made the sofrito. Beautiful. Slowly, slowly cooked, and the onions changed very, very slowly, and then I added some garlic, and I had a little bit of white wine around, so I just, psh, the sizzle of the white wine, and let that reduce. And then I opened up some tins of tomatoes and threw that in. <laughs> I want to, I you know, keep going romantic with all this, but, yeah, anyway, but I put these gorgeous tomatoes in, and I made this beautiful Napoli sauce, and that's the power of food. It, um, it's a contemplative, you know, this beautiful contemplative afternoon as the, as the rain came down. And uh, I'm wondering if any of you out there uh, did that. On today's show, we, uh, it's a bit of a melancholy duty, actually. Um, we're going to have a, a chat to John. And John um, has been, and the family, have all been dealing with the passing of the patriarch of his family, Joe, um, one of the uh, stall holder of many, many years, 
and we're going to talk a little bit about him and his life and just acknowledge him um, because I think it's, uh, it's very important. So we will be talking to John first. And then a person who's been a customer of John and Joe for many, 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 many years, Caterina Borsato from Caterina's in Queen Street. And we're going to have a bit of a chat to her about how you coping with um, – there's no staff for restaurants out there. And uh, she's been very, very busy with uh, keeping the balls in the air and uh, we're going to talk to her about how that's all going and uh, how she sees uh, the uh, hopefully the end of all this and, and what we emerge into, I guess. And lastly, I think it uh, might be time for a little bit of a drink. We're going to have a chat to Adam Foster, who's no stranger to the microphones of 3 R. He's an ex-plonker. Uh, we've spoken to him Many, many, many times, uh, the man behind the label called Cirame, and there's an H in there. I'd forgotten. I just thought I'd mention that. But uh, this could be one of the the slowest ripening seasons we've seen in many, many a year. There's still so much fruit on the vine. And if we look at drought years, the ones, you know, those previous ones where we walk across the lawn and it goes crunch, crunch, crunch. Normally, the uh, because there's no water and there's just so much sun, um, everything would be away by now. Everything would be in a tank. But mm. this could be an absolutely sensational vintage because we've had long, long, slow ripening. And, um, yeah, it's uh, we'll find from Adam as to how he assesses it. We were going to talk to Duncan Buchanan, but uh, he's up on the top of Mount Buller with the kids. Hopefully not pushing them off the mountain. <laughs> uh, and uh, lastly, before we move in, we have a chat to John. Um, I've had a chat about a brilliant movie that's on at the Nova, a, uh, a documentary, beautiful European documentary called The Truffle Hunters. Um, have you heard of this or seen this, Carl? I haven't seen it, but I have heard of it, uh, and I've heard good things about it. There's a trailer there at the Nova if you want to see it. Yeah. Um, I spoke in very glowing terms. The good news is that... Uh, uh, I checked the Nova website and the Truffle Hunters is on at least until Wednesday the 17th of March. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. It is my delight to bring to the microphone. Normally we chat at the market, don't we, John? But you're at home, aren't you? Yes, I'm sitting in my uh, mother's dining room at the moment where it's a little bit quieter in the kitchen because there's pots and pans <laughs> going. Pandemonium. What's cooking? Yeah. Uh, well, traditionally on Sunday, um, either we've had a, a roast lunch or a pasta, mm. but more pasta than most times. So that's what we're having today uh, with beautiful tomatoes that mum picked out of her garden yesterday with her sister. Is, is um, your mum rolling pasta today? Would... Well, we're just having a pack of pasta today. So. Oh, okay, because she makes her cesarece, doesn't she? Uh, one she of... we, we call them chuvoli, but they're cavatelli. Ah, cavatelli, that's right. Yes, yeah, you, yeah. You they're, do. they're rolled with three fingers. Yeah, well, look, it's it's easy when I'm talking to an Italian just to to get us on food, but there is 
an issue that needs to be addressed. Um, your dad's passed away. Yes, we put him to rest um, Thursday and we had a beautiful ceremony there. Mm. Um, How old was he, John? He, he would have been um, 95 uh, in 70 days. Wow. Yeah, so he had a very good innings, a very hard innings, but a good innings. Hard innings, yeah. So we're all very happy about that. So, yeah, he would have been 95 soon, but, um, you know, he had a few problems in the last few months. Lucky it wasn't too long. Mm. And, um, you know, unfortunately it's something we can guide but not um, determine. So it was time and, um, you know, like I said, we put him to rest on, on... Thursday after he passed away on the third. Yeah. And have you got the, uh, is the the family all coming around for a bit of a a drink and a reminisce today? Uh, Yeah, mum's sister's here with her son. Yeah. Um, Everyone's been popping in and out every day. We've been so blessed, you know. (laughs) Friends, families, um, customers came to the funeral and... um, keep popping in and ringing up. I even got a message this morning from Italy from um, uh, a customer who had to go back to Milan to work. Really? And one of her friends told her, so she sent me a message on WhatsApp. So it really shows us a lot of respect out there. So we're very grateful for that. Because this is the the thing about um, Joe, your dad. He was an incredibly hard-working man. Um, Some could say... A little bit grumpy at times. <laughs> yeah, well, he no. loved his work, though. I stopped him coming when COVID started. If not, he was still coming to market yeah. two days a week. Yeah. Um, and it was his passion. Um, we are, when you do something you love and it's in your blood, you keep doing it. You know, we all get a little bit grumpy at times. Me, I've been told that I'm the same. So no, no, <laughs> I have I to don't admit to it. it. Grump, grumpy, you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but uh, but we're always happy, really. So. That's right. Well, I like to say I put a microphone in front of you and you find your humanity. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good thing about it. It's there yes. somewhere. But, okay, but, but here was something, and I just wanted to, just by way of um, segue, we, um, I don't know if you were listening beforehand, we had uh, the, uh, a cart, uh, you know, the ads that we do, sponsorship announcements. So I could just have yeah. Carl lift up his eyebrow at me. I went, yes, you're quite right. Um, but it was for uh, Cam Russell's mushroom tours. And, and Cam Russell used to inhabit possibly the coldest spot in the whole of Victoria Market. Definitely uh, down the bottom of our shit there, yeah. Yeah, just outside those dairy doors where the sun never, never comes. Certainly never any morning sun. Um, but you and Joe have a story that ties you all together, and I just thought maybe you might want to just relate that to the, the audience here. Well, Cameron started when he was young and um, very naive in a market atmosphere because um, it can be very ruthless. So um, yeah. we sort of guided him along, um, made fun of him often. Um, yeah, but we remained friends. I wasn't talking to him very long ago because I bought some hot chilies for him. Mm. He's into making the hot chili sauce. Yeah, he was telling me but, yeah. about that. But he he was saying that uh, in the day when he first started, and he was, you know, 
not only wet behind the ears and green and all that sort of stuff, but he was passionate because he would get on a bicycle with sort of this cargo thing on it from East St Kilda and ride to Footscray and then fill up with, I don't know, two or three boxes is probably all he could have fitted on that thing and then ride up the Dudley Street Hill until you and Joe said... That's my setup there, John. Come on, mate. John? Yeah, yeah. you. it's Sunday afternoon, <laughs> mate. <laughs> half half a beat, that's all right. I'll, yeah. I'll set it up again. So there he was, working his ass off, and then you and Joe took pity on him and said... Yeah, well, we helped him along. We, we let him put stuff on the truck. And yeah. we said to him, if you can make it six months... You'll make it anywhere. Yes. And he was determined. He said, I'm going to do this, you know, and he started very, very small, like you said, and then they built it up and built it up, and then um, they were selling a lot of things and supplying beautiful restaurants as well, Mm. and we were very happy for him because, you know, we admire people that try. Yes. If you try, you can go anywhere. And kept turning up. Yeah, and and we even helped him or tried to teach him to make sausages and... um, (laughs) I can't remember if he came for a sauce experience, but he, de- <laughs> he, he definitely remembers the sausage baking. <laughs> he said, actually, I was just speaking to him the other day, and this is the thing. The great thing is if you are in the presence of Italians and they abuse and they swear at you and stuff like that, that is one way to say we understand you and we love you. And definitely, definitely. he said he went and did the sausages, meaning the salami and all that stuff. He says, I've never been so abused by Italian <laughs> old ladies in my whole life. <laughs> well, see, when you, you tell people you're capable of things, they have expectations of oh, you. Yes. And if you don't live up to them, most Italian women, they're not shy of uh, giving it to you and, and how, and they make you remember. Yes. And next time you do it, you do it properly. But that's the the other thing that's implicit in that is that they care enough for you that they want you to do it properly because if they don't give a hell about you, they'll be polite and they'll go, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Just, you know, no worries rather than yeah, doing it. Exactly. Exactly. What made your father decide to come to the Queen Victoria market and what year was that, John? Um. Well, it's funny you say that. I, I found some travel documents from 1944 hmm. um, when he was um, still working for the Forestry Commission because when he turned 18, they took them to Trentham and he worked in an alien camp which was open. Um, so he was a cook there. Now, he cut his finger so he couldn't work as a, in a kitchen anymore because he was the uh, yep. cook. And uh, so he came back to Melbourne. Now, the travel document gave him the permission to go from Trenton to Melbourne. He had to be um, at the train station a certain time. And his address was going to be 360 Queen Street, Melbourne. So it was uh, um, a a spit or a stone's throw away from the market. That's close to the market, yeah. Yeah. So I would say, as with a lot of people... um, you know, you go to the market and you fall in love with the atmosphere, you fall in love with the people. So I think that's um, after working with Hosey's for a little while in a kitchen there, mm. he started working in the market. So then when um, H-Shed was opened up after the war, mm. uh, he was given a spot there. So he started wow. in the same spot, number seven, 
Yes. And uh, it just kept running from there. When they renovated the roof um, 20 or 30 years ago, I can't remember the exact time, he was better on dates for me till the day he passed. Um, he was given a stall in the same spot. Then we went up the top, and then when we came back to the same spot, so, you know, then we started to sell more and more tomatoes, and then we called it Tomato City, and he was very, very happy about that. But even with all the years of um, me going to market, um, when we went to market, they'd always say, Uncle, come here, we'll look after you. Don't worry about him. We'll deal with you still. And um, he was my main tomato buyer and um, always got it right. You know, we always get beautiful tomatoes from Doncaster, from Tony. And then when he finished, we get them from the people from Murray Bridge. And the agents are always very good to us. So um, I think that's how basically he started. Yeah. And I just, I was kind of curious. He's made his mark on the market. He's made his mark on you and, of course, the, the family. But, uh, and, I, and I'm just, obviously, there's a, there's a legacy there that he leaves. But I'm just wondering, what, what was his favourite food? Did he have a favourite dish that he really, really loved? And I'm just wondering if that will become part of the remembrance of him going on. Yeah, pretty much he, he loved everything. But pasta, homemade pasta especially. Mm. Um, if it was handmade, mum and her sister are very adept at using big rolling pins like the Japanese use, yes. about a metre and a half long and, say, as uh, thick as an egg. Um, but he loved his tomatoes as well, you know, mm. um, and his grandson Joseph's become just the same as his grandfather. Yeah. They've got a passion for good, tasty tomatoes. Get very upset if someone serves him up a tomato that's anemic looking and um, has got no flavour. The apple hasn't, or should we say the tomato hasn't fallen far from the vine would be the better no. way to say it. John, if I, I wish I had a drink here because I've, I'd raise a glass to Joe, um, but here's to you and the family in this, uh, in this time. And um, when will you be back at the Queen Victoria Market? I'll be back on Thursday the 25th. Yep. And when you come to the market, we'll have a holy water together. Oh, that sounds great. That I, I look forward to a little bit of a holy water with you. And Joe. Yeah. Yes. Joseph, son. Well, um, a big hug to you, as I said, and to all the family. Um, my commiserations to Nancy, uh, your thank mother. You. And um, thank you for taking the time and sharing this with us. Oh, thank you, I just want to say thank you to all the beautiful people that send me messages and phone calls, um, you know, from customers and friends and relatives and that. It's really, really good. You know, we had a big turnout at the uh, church and um, also at the um, refreshments afterwards. So hmm. it shows that he was well-liked and respected and his legacy will live on. Yeah. Thank you, John. Thank you. Take care. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. You are listening to 3 R FM. We're bringing up the energy a little bit more after talking about John and uh, the passing of his dad, Joe. Katarina. You knew Joe, didn't you? Buongiorno. How Buongiorno. Are you? 
first let me offer my condolences to John and Nancy and all the family because mm. with Italians, when mm. the patriarchs go, it's a it's a really big deal. I know because it, they're the glue that stops all the arguments and brings the family together over a plate of pasta on a Sunday. Well, it's not the um, women who do that. Oh God, no! We've got no rights. <laughs> Oh, like what, hell. Like hell, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, no, but, you know, it is, it is a big deal. And uh, I yeah. think when John was talking about the history of his dad and stuff, it, it, it's where it all starts, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah. So yeah. condolences, absolutely. My <laughs> God. And, um, and what about you? Uh, for those that have never met Katharina on the show before, um, can I introduce Katharina to you? This is Katharina Bosato. She has an amazing place called Katharina's in 221 Queen Street, Melbourne, a basement restaurant of great renown and fabulous food and probably uh, overseen by one of the greatest front-of-the-house people in the free world. Oh, that's too kind. Do you know, it was interesting because I... I did get home at 2 a.m. this morning from a function. Again? Three doubles. Yeah, I had You a did it the night before, night. too, you were telling yeah. me. Yeah, three big functions this week, and you've got Jesus. to take it while it's there. Yes. But um, one of the people that was there last night actually said to me, it's really difficult to actually contemplate running a business downstairs mm. or upstairs. And I was thinking about <laughs> that, and, of course, I've forgotten how hard it actually was. Because I've been Dude. there 25 years. Can, but I, can I relay something it. to you? I, yeah. I can do that. Guess guess which restaurant I took over in another lifetime. I'm um, just trying to think. There's not too many basements, are there? No, I think of probably one of the most famous. I'll, I'll, I'll put you out of your misery. Oh. Two Faces. So, so, yeah. so Herman, Herman Schneider and Faye Schneider had um, created over 20 years yeah. probably one of the greatest culinary dining places in yeah. all of Melbourne. But, yeah. I, again, I would not recommend taking over a basement restaurant because it, yeah. it, it's, it, you, the chances of success are very few and far between, which shows how good you are doing your job and the food <laughs> and the hospitality that you give. Well, it did take me 25 years. It's, yeah. it's sort of okay Hello. sitting back now. Um, but in those early years, yeah, it was really quite funny. But I wasn't frightened, funnily enough, because I always figure, especially in Melbourne, we are the land of small business. If we you were. produce something, oh, yeah, gosh. Yeah, That's going to come back. <laughs> yeah. it, has, it has to come back. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually, oh, God, the CBD is just devoid of humans at the moment. Right, we'll we'll, we'll circle back. back to that one too, <laughs> Katarina. But, yeah. yeah, back in the day, you but, thought, yeah. hey, we're, we're independent and we can, we can do this <laughs> if we're good enough to and if we deserve this. And if we deserve it, yeah, you've got to – because you know that restaurants are not just about the food. No. Uh, <laughs> as, as we know, people want, yes. they look at that whole experience and it might be something like, how clean are those toilets? Mm. You, know, we, we, you know, I have old toilets because they're not mine, yeah. but they're clean. Yeah. And the smell as you walk into the, the room. And whatever yeah. it is, I mean, I always figure too, Cam, that when you get a lot of single diners, mm. It's very important because that, to me, says they're comfortable. Yep. And so that's what I created. Yeah, we get a lot of single people coming to eat, and I think that's 
incredibly special. Mm. Katarina, can I, and also maybe we'll just separate that because we're talking about generations here. And yeah. there's sort of, there, there's two types of single diners I sort of see historically, pre-mobile phone and then after mobile phone. <laughs> and, and and when you used to get single diners, they used to come in before everybody, you know, were glued to this this thing. And Carl and I were talking about the ADHD of today's generations oh, with, yeah. with with the phone. But you had to be very comfortable back in the day to just sit alone with no phone. <laughs> no, oh, you, and you're absolutely right. In fact, one of my oldest customers is a gentleman called Luciano, who is a Roman man. Who has been coming every Monday, literally, for the last 25 years. And he now does have a mobile phone, but when he's eating, he is eating. And he mops up the sauce of his spaghetti. You know, I I just love to see him eat because he's coming there for the food and for the team and all that. But certainly no phone uh, on that table. It's Mm. bad manners. It's bad manners. (laughs) <laughs> well, it, may, it was, but now it's unfortunately just part yeah, of life. Fine. But you said you were working till 2 o'clock in the morning. And yeah. listen, yeah. one of the reasons of that is that you were grasping for the business while it's there. But you were also saying to me, as everybody is saying to me in this industry, yeah. And it's self-evident. The answer, unfortunately, is self-evident. But um, where have all the staff gone? Yeah, where have they all gone? I hope somebody's listening. I can, well, um, we can tell you. They've gone back overseas, <laughs> most of them. Yeah, look, I, I think we touched upon this during COVID. We um, have. My, I was shattered at, um, I think, the government's response to the visa holders. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they just were not looked after. And nope. what it's going on to show is that obviously that was such a big part of small business in Melbourne. And we, not only did they do the legwork, but they also brought skills. And so I am sure that I could get plenty of staff in, but they've got no skills. And at the moment, we we haven't got time to do all the training. Business is too tough. And so we need the skilled workers to come in and just jump in. I don't just need a runner. I need skills. And so it is... It is, it is disastrous in Melbourne. And in the past, I've always had so many people come to my doors and I send them off to other restaurants and who say, Kate, you know, you've got them at, during the day, send them to us at night, no problem. But I'm not getting... It's now me asking for help, and that hasn't happened in 25 years. It's incredible. So, yeah. so much so, Katerina, that you were telling me you were going to go and see the CEO of William Anglis. And, and if, before you answer, it has to be sort of said that historically... Yeah. The TAFE colleges, even though they were gutted out by the governments over time. Anyway, let's not go there. Um, yeah. But yeah. The, the thing was, historically, the, the workforce came from the youth of our society. Yeah, and, absolutely. And then it was found that we can transplant that and just get... Uh, I'm generalising, please forgive me, Catherine, I'm generalising. But we can get cheaper workers by getting people from overseas. You, you well, did, you, I, I, sorry, that's kind of provocative, I know that, but maybe just yeah. for uh, what did, uh, did you have a chat to the CEO of William Angus? He's actually coming in on Wednesday. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, he cancelled me because of a personal um, meeting, but yes. he's coming in on Wednesday because he's going to have his, 
is list of staff, or, sorry, students that are going to begin because mm. they are also in trouble because they get government funding according to the numbers that they get in. Mm. And so they've got to scramble for their own jobs, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So there are no overseas people coming through, so their numbers are down Shit. by... Heaps. Yeah, well. I, I wouldn't know what the percentages were. I'll find out that next week. Yeah. But I always feel that it's very important to have a working relationship with our TAFE colleges because yes. at least the, it, it's an inroad. That, yeah. That's what it is. Um, you, you find me the staff and then I can mould them. And if they don't work, mm. it doesn't work out, that's fine. And you know but at I'm, least if you're getting someone from like William Angles, so they're going to have a, they're going to be at a certain calibre, aren't they? Oh, that, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. And look, there's a lot of independent uh, colleges. Like we've had a lot of people coming in to train. They've got to do the hours before they get their, their papers. Mm. But that's also fairly useless for me because the whole point about an apprenticeship is that you're working on the job and, yes. and studying at the same time. Yes. But if you have your papers and I've got to pay you, but you're, you haven't got the practical skills, it's not going to help, you know, the businesses in general. It's not mm. going to help anybody. No, because you're, you're not bringing up the, the the standards not being brought up, and and, yeah. and you're left uh, you're left with uh, numpties on the floor. Oh, <laughs> Excuse that, my French. No, no, yeah. but you're right, and, and it's just like, for example, last weekend I went up to Gippsland, and Mum set me home with you know all the beautiful produce, and and I bought some beautiful prickly pears yesterday because I haven't been supplied any from my <laughs> my usual suppliers. It's a crazy season this year. Yes. But I was just thinking, in the past, kids have got some form of training or an idea. They would know that you've got to put, uh, you know, the tongs around it so you don't prick your hands, have to peel them, blah, blah, blah. Yes. When no- we're getting knowledge kids plus that know experience. Nothing, yes. Yes. But you know what I mean? When you get kids that know nothing, yeah. we've got to start from the basics. And small business is really in a bit of a bind at the moment. So... I'm hoping that if anybody's listening and they've got some children that they want to or that they would like to end up in a hospitality career, really try and go to the open days at the TAFE colleges and just see what it's all about. Mm. Yeah. It's a great career. It, it, it may not pay the best, but it, can, it gives you so many other skills. And do you know, Cam, one of the, the craziest things that my daughter just recently said to me, you know, she's always helped out during school holidays and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And she now has a full time job. She said, you know, Mum, one of the great things that I've learned working with you has been about prioritising, prioritising oh. my time. Yes. And I thought about that. And, of course, when we serve people, it's prioritising. Do you answer yes. the bell? Yes. Do you get the first drink? Do you run to the door? Do you yeah. ask them first? You're it's, always it's, making those decisions, aren't you? Yes. Yes. You've got to think on your feet very quickly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And because you deal with all sorts of different people, business people, grumpy people, grumpy old men, mm. happy old women, beautiful young men, Ooh. gorgeous looking young men, Ooh. all that stuff. But do you know what I kind of mean? And Bello. so yes. I thought to myself, if that's one skill that she's taken on from me, that's a wonderful thing and it'll take her right through life. Um, so communication and prioritising are, are really important skills to have in any business, but especially you learn it through hospitality, I think. Absolutely. Mm. 
And, um, and the thing is, there are no easy answers as to how we get ourselves out of the predicament that we are in yeah. here in March 2021. And I didn't expect you to have the, the instant answers, but it will be interesting to, uh, to hear what uh, the tertiary sector have to say, because uh, I, I don't know, hopefully maybe it should be regarded as a great opportunity. Oh, absolutely. And also the government's offering um, employers incentives to put on young kids. You know, they get subsidised, I think it's 50% of their wages for nine months. Mm. So so we are getting help, which is a great thing. There is just no physical bodies out there coming to our doors. And uh, that's, you know, I think... They just don't exist. the MasterChef stuff... You've got to get rid of all the, the glamour because there's not that much glamour, but no. there is a lot of satisfac- satisfaction, isn't there? Mm. Yeah, no, there sure is. And also, it should be said, if, you, um, if you're thinking about uh, travel, one of the great oh. things is to be able to pretty much go anywhere. I mean, I'm, I was lucky enough to, to live on a tropical island for, for two years oh. because I had the ability to cook. And, wow. you know, go yeah. to uh, Sydney and just lob up and work at the Intercontinental, for instance. Or when I was at William Anglis a long, long time ago, you yeah. pretty much just were able to ring up an employer and go, yeah, I'm from William Anglis. When would you like me to start, you know? Yeah. And, and they'd grab you with both hands. Hey, food oh, question, yeah. unless there was something you wanted to add to that. Yeah. Was there a- uh, Sorry, I'm, bad, bad, I'm just being a super bad interviewer. Um, was there anything you wanted to add to what I said about uh, employment opportunities? Well, just get out there and just think that Melbourne is small business. Yes. And if you want to see our city revived, you've, you, they've got to just jump in. That's what they have to do. Great opportunities, great employers out there. The industries really come together, mm. and it's a it's a wonderful thing. And, and we and we need the vibrancy back in our town. Yes, and and then it goes all the way. You know what I mean? It's important. It is. And can, just out of curiosity, from a Skippy point of view, yeah, non-Italian, um, yeah. what do you do with those prickly pears? Other than the first thing you do is put on rubber gloves and tongs if you're going to deal with them. Do you know what? what? We sometimes slice them into carpaccio and season it and then put some beautiful cured fish on top oh. or yum, yum, yum. Yes. Um, the sweetness. And sometimes we even put splodges of bacala on there because, you know, I love that thing. That sounds good. We put it through um, sorbetto. We, we do prickly pear sorbet. Yes. But it, it, it can touch entrees through to desserts, and that's the great thing about it. And you get the two types, the really orange ones and then the bright pink. Yes. Which are beautiful to give colour to a dish because that makes you want to eat it as well, doesn't it? It's inviting. It's beautiful it's inviting. and inviting. I think and about six ninety nine in the market. So if yeah. you can find them, they're a great addition during this short, you know, time that they're around. I, mm. lo- I love the idea of carpaccio. We've got uh, oh, just in like fifteen seconds or so because we usually get John to do it, but we're seeing your. Uh, uh, a fabulous Italian on the line. What's your pick of the market at the moment in uh, in thirty seconds? The pick of the market at the moment. Mm. Oh, that's a that's a hard question. I've got too much to say. But the thing is, <laughs> that's why I said thirty seconds. Is, yeah, Cavatelli at the moment seems to be the pasta of choice for some ungodly reason, oh, okay. and it is beautiful. And so. Anything with sauteed greens, black cabbage. I mean, you can do so many things. And, of course, chestnuts will be coming in soon. Yep. So we crumble them over past. So and you've just got to look out for what's in season. It's a slow ripening season. 
But haven't we had the best tomatoes and the best cherries on record, I think? Mm. I've never seen a season like it. So... So just get out there, support all our wonderful growers. Yes. Um, and and be sure to support your restaurants, most importantly. Mm. Katerina, big hug to you. Um, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for saying lovely things about Joe. Yeah, absolutely. And I look forward to seeing you soon because it's been way Apresso. too long. Apresso. Thank you, Cameron. Have a beautiful week. Yeah, right back to you. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R, exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. What sort of drink you want? What sort of drink you want? Make it a double one. Yeah. Stop playing Let's drink. Cheers. Cheers. Adam Foster. Hello. There he is. And child. Hugo Foster. Hugo Foster. Sorry. Um. Uh, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to Three Triple R FM. You've just heard the thinking drinking theme. Uh, something that uh, probably Adam hasn't. Uh, been a part of for a little while. Oh, look at us. There we go. We're going into double space. And uh, we've uh, gone on to the Zoom. I'm just here in the studio. There's some three triple R things. Uh, if Adam looks around and Hugo is son. Hello, Hugo. Uh, he will see that. But I look at where you are and there's a few rocks around. It's a, it's a rocky couple of area. Boulders, isn't it? A couple of boulders up at Tuberac. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and gorgeous day up here too, yes. nice and sunny. And the great thing is that um, we have spoken to you many, many, many times um, on thinking drinking and also with Plonk, and we thought we'd just yep. have a, a chat about a incredible vintage that is happening, a vintage 2021, unlike Some anything. would say the vintage of the uh, year. Nice. I'm going to write that down. That's catchy. <laughs> It's the vintage of the year. Is it the vintage of the century? No, I don't think a bit too early to call that yet, but I'm sure some will be. Yeah, it's, this is where we need Murray Tyrrell to still be around. Yeah. No, I, well, I think he is still going, isn't he? No, Murray, Murray Tyrrell's pushing up daisies, I'm uh, pretty, pretty sure. But oh, okay. he, he, was, he was famous for the fact that no matter what happened during the year, he'd come riding out on his horse to meet the press and, and just say that every vintage was, it's the vintage of the century. And, uh, and, well, and he was. Good way to sell wine, I'm, I'm sure. Well, he was, he was bloody good at that. But um, we've seen long, slow ripening, haven't we, if we're going to define it? Very long, very slow, very, uh, you know, not, not the greatest. Not many barbecues were had this summer, I can say. Yeah, well, um, well Carl tried here. yesterday and gave up in the end. Yeah, it's um, been very cool. We had a bit of rain last night. Um, oh, yeah, bye, um, Hugo. Okay, there we go. Exit, Hugo. Bye, Hugo. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thank you. Good on you, mate. Um, yeah, no, we had a bit of rain last night, but, yeah, it's shaping up to be a, a very long and slow vintage. So things are just taking their time, not the usual sort of Beaumay a week sort of happenings at the moment up what, in Heathcote. What, what's, what's this Beaumay you talk of? Oh, a Beaumay... Is how we measure the uh, potential alcohol. Oh, I thought it was, it was maybe a, a French car that uh, that uh, winemakers drove. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So basically, 
a Bome, like one Bome, technically a week is a degree of alcohol. Yes. I thought that was a good joke. You just, you just, you just squashed it. Yeah, I just squashed that. And I've, I've, I've heard them before, Cam. You, you are, I've heard them. <laughs> you're such a bastard. I know, uh, but um, this is the weird thing, though, because mostly by now everything would be in in tanks, would it not? And you were worried exactly. about the um, the event that was happening yesterday, meaning rain, and that's one thing yeah. that um, gets wine makers at the end of uh, the the season a little bit worried. Did you get any split fruit, or was there any ramifications? Uh, the we rain? only we actually only had ten mil of rain, which, to be honest, is a you know the vineyard yeah, will love a, that. It will be it'll be a nice little soaking and a little wet. Yes. So no, at this stage, it's that's a positive thing. There could be a bit more next weekend. There, I'm now hearing, but um, but fingers crossed, it's not as bad as it sounds like it could be. When are you going to get this stuff off the vine? You reckon? Well, I don't know. It's I just, March, I'm hoping that we, we we actually I'm hoping this coming week we're going to at least pick a couple of other varietals. Yes. Um. Um. Yeah. So I'm hoping that may happen, but it's 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 just a waiting game. Like you mm. know, it's just. Obviously, we always generally try to pick on, on on flavor and when it tastes right and balanced. And you know, I think at the moment it's just it's just that waiting game. It's sort of not coming in too quick. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a matter of time and seeing what happens. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it's good. It's there's a lot of lot of regions have really started cranking up. I know in the Yarra and Mornington, they're really getting into it now and picking reds and pinots and. So, yeah, when Heathcote in the north, Heathcote's quite a lot of action, but down in the middle and the south, there's not much happening at the moment. So where you have the amelioration climatic, climactically of uh, a maritime climate, they'll probably be waiting even even more, yeah? Yeah, well, I suspect that our vineyard, the vineyard we've planted in Tuberac, which is high density, which is just behind my shoulder, which you can probably see. Is that, it's, um, is that a real photo? How is this working? Because it is no, it's actually just. A, I don't know. My wife did it. She put a. It's very good. A, uh, the only the only thing it gives it away. Sorry if you um, uh, for those listening. I'm I'm looking at a Zoom thing, and um, there is this lovely image that comes to the background. But um, every now and then, Adam's shoulder just disappears and turns into a tree, which is yeah. that's the thing that gives it away, mate. Um, I but, know, and also the fact that there's no. I think if you notice closely, there's no leaves on the actual vines, which would be an awful problem. Oh yeah, that would be a problem. Yes, no. There we go. <laughs> for those that are paying attention, uh, yeah. so uh, you said for you in Tuberac, as you plant your Shiraz, because yeah, well, that's what you're well, probably we've never very... picked before April. So I'm assuming we'll be picking mid to late April no at way. this stage. So. So just, yeah, it's wow. like last night was bitterly cold up here and I think it got down to nearly six degrees yeah. overnight. But it was it was actually the first night I'm like, yeah, summer has gone. Like yeah, it, is, it is bitterly cold wind, southern wind. And yeah. so, yeah, I think um, we're just going to hold fingers, fingers crossed for, you know, bright sunshine. And this week looks pretty good. And then, um, yeah, hopefully it just they get a bit of a, a – Get along, really, the grapes. So it's all about the Beaumet, and that's not a French winemaker's car. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having another go true. at it to see if I get another Have another go. That's yeah, go on. Get back up on the horse or get in your Beaumet. Um, but uh, so, yeah, we're, we're looking – I'm just looking at the forecast. I think it's sort of cloudy next week, mainly. Yeah. But, but the uh, – uh, Heathcote was that up here, yeah. It's good temperatures, though, 26, 24, 24, 24. That's good. That's yeah, good. it's pretty consistent, and then yeah. it does look like there could be a bit of rain. Looks like a big storm pattern north of Australia. 
um, by next Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then some areas are predicted to have more than three months' rainfall in one event. Where, 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 so, where is this? Where is this going to happen? Oh, I think it's all the sort of east coast of Australia, like Queensland and all that, but it looks I, like it may be coming down. We're seeing a bit of this, aren't we, Adam? There's these, no. these extraordinary, like the rainfall events, not so much down here, even though we're in a La Nina part, but... Boy, oh boy, central New South Wales, lower Queensland. My Correct. God, they've got a lot of water, haven't they? Yeah, it's, it's, I think, you know, the, it's just the extremes at the moment. It's yeah. like last year, if you think of, you know, before Corona, it was extreme fire, extreme heat, extreme wind, you know, and this year, you know, it seems to be lots of rain. And we had probably one of the wettest winters and early spring ever. Mm. But basically from oh, November, December, January, we've hardly had any rain whatsoever. But my neighbours across in Macedon Ranges, like not even 30, 40 minutes drive, mm. have had, you know, two, 300 mils of rain. And we're literally 40 minutes apart. And we've had... You know, I think up in January we had up to that stage about three mil for the month and over in uh, Macedon there was vineyards that had 170 already. So yeah, it's, yeah, don't worry. It's just I, I, I got a buddy in Macedon who's just been bitching to me about the, <laughs> the rain going, oh, the kids, you know, if only show them what it's like to have a summer and, you know, you wander around and you sweat. And I said, look, don't worry, buddy. Because in the next year or so, you're going to be bitching and moaning to me the fact that it's the fourth day of 45 degrees. <laughs> you know, exactly. Because yeah. uh, th- this is La Nina. We, we have a La Nina event. And just to see, you know, Misery Loves Company, I was hearing in Hawaii, Hawaii, which is known for pretty much having the same day every day. That's sort of the gig of Hawaii's weather, right? But they were talking about unprecedented floods that are happening wow. there. Yeah, floods yeah. in Hawaii, and they were saying this is because of um, climate warming and uh, we are going to see more and more of these extremes. So we all just got to buckle up, don't we, and hope for the best. Well, I think just it's all about being smarter and there's a lot of yep. things been happening with vineyards and that about, you know, maybe – looking at planting them differently, planting and, you know, um, to try to, you know, best cope with, you know, global warming or, you yep. know, less less rainfall and stuff like that. So they're, uh, they're sort of probably the, you know, the viticulture and winemaking things we can do um, moving forward. But for now it's it's sort of you, you've got to reassess everything. Like it's nothing's predictable. Nothing is now. So th- th- this goes down from uh, the, the choice of varieties and we will see new new varieties that will come through because we will have to here. But yeah, also exactly, things exactly. like uh, canopy management, planting yep. times. Um, Orientations of orientation, all that, yeah, so, exactly. So uh, we've got a couple of minutes. Maybe just quickly talk about it. Which way do you normally orientate your vines well, to the generally, sun? Generally, most vineyards in Australia, like, you know, 99% probably, are yeah. planted north to south. North to so south, So right. the whole idea that they get, you know, as the sun rises in the east, sets in the west, they get the really warmth of uh, the western side of the canopy always gets really, you know, and if you go to those vineyards, you get more shriveled, you get more drying, especially in the warmer parts of the re- of the country. Mm. So there's a lot of people planting east to west oh. to sort of combat that, to not get the shrivel and the raisin, the desiccated fruit on one side, but then obviously the east fruit is always a bit more protected. Yes. So people planting east to west, which, you know, we have done with our new vineyard, but we've sort of thought about that and a long, slow ripening period. So... 
yes, there's lots happening. Yeah, gotcha. Well, listen, buddy, unfortunately, time is always uh, our enemy. It always when... goes too quickly. I know. Just when we get warmed up and I get used to that background that you're in and I, <laughs> and I think of another great uh, French car joke, um, what's in the bottle in front of you tonight? Uh, that's actually a good question. I think Thank we're you. having uh, a whole snapper with sort of sort of. Oh, my neck just snapped in when you said that. Spring <laughs> onion. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe a fragrant white wine. Or maybe a little red. Oh, there's a little half bottle of something left over from last night. Um, you have wine just, left over uh, from just, last night. Just about to release my new 2019 demi Shiraz. So that's also a bottle of that flying around at the moment to get a good look. Name of the label so, is. The what time? What's the name on the label? Uh, no, the Demi is just called Demi this year. Demi, yeah, but the new XV Shiraz is the new Cirame released as well. Okay, we just—I just thought I'd give you a little plug, seeing you've—you know—you yeah, you made such that. a beautiful thanks, background for us. Uh, so Cirame, <laughs> don't forget there's an H in there as well. Uh, we're going to have to leave you there, buddy. Hey, thanks, um, come into the studio one of these days. We'd love to see are we you. Allowed to? Yeah, I think we are. We, we're getting there. Yeah, yeah, I can't one. believe all that plastic screening all over the place. It's changed since I've been in there. It's changed like COVID you, you wouldn't recognise, but we're going to have to say bye-bye. Say, Thank you, Adam. No worries. Thanks for having me. There he goes. Yeah. Adam Foster from Cirame, and you can look that up. Carl Chapman. Thank you, Cam. Thank you, mate. This has uh, been a good hour. We've uh, we've had some, some highs and lows, and we've... Uh, We've acknowledged people and their contributions, and we will look forward to seeing you next week. I think Matt's uh, coming in next week. It was his birthday, so happy birthday, Matt. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 